You are Locked On Redskins, your daily podcast on the Washington Redskins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to an expected yet sad Monday morning here on Locked On Redskins. I'm your host, Zach Hicks, as always. And yeah, again, it is a very kind of expected yet sad loss this past Sunday with the Redskins losing 33-19 against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, with all the injuries piling up, it's hard to beat a good team in the NFL when you have three offensive linemen missing from the game, two of which are all pro caliber players, along with missing a starting cornerback who is a pretty good player, Bashad Breeland, and your inside linebacker on your team is also put on IR the same week, along with missing one of your defensive linemen who was put on IR last week. So it's a lot of injuries piling up with this team, and it's just hard to beat good teams. I wish I could say that the, the grass is greener going forward, but the Redskins do play really good football teams the next couple weeks including games at Seattle this next week against the Vikings, who are division leaders as well, and at New Orleans, who that is always a tough team to play against, especially with them being 5-2 and two on the year. And then again, we go at, at Dallas after that as well. So it's a really tough schedule going forward. Redskins are going to need to at least split those to have any chance of the postseason. But again, it is a tough schedule, and with these injuries, it is not looking good for our Redskins. But I'm going to try to focus on the positive today. So to kind of give you a breakdown of what today's episode is going to be, we're going to go over three possible possible trade scenarios that the Redskins could explore since tomorrow is the deadline. So I decided to do something fun with that. We're going to also go over a little bit of the injury report because it is a pretty big injury report and it is brutal right now for the Redskins. Then we're going to touch on the good, the bad, and the ugly from yesterday's game really quick. And I'm just going to actually take a couple minutes to go over the positives of the season because I know a lot of you guys are are down the dumps, really depressed about how this season has gone for the Redskins, especially after the promising start. So we're going to go. We're going to take some time to go over the positives and kind of remind you guys why this team has some promise going to the future and maybe even for the rest of this season. So to jump right into it, we're going to go over the injury report, though, because it is really big, and I'm not even going to mention the injuries going into the week, just the injuries that we suffered in this past game. So just kind of start on the offensive side of the ball. Niles Paul left the, left the game early on with a concussion. He did not return. And Jordan Reed, shocker here, left the game with a hamstring injury early in the game as well. So those are both both tight ends are out. I don't know how how long they're going to be out, but both seem to be out for a while now. We also lost Sean Laval for most of the game with a stinger. Like it's just a stinger, so hopefully he can come back from that. T.J. Clemmings also left the game with an ankle injury, leaving the starters by the end of the game at offensive line with Tyler Catalina moving from right guard to left tackle. Eric Quandro, if we all remember him, he got cut in the preseason, starting at left guard. Chase Ruye, who, again, played pretty well at center. And Tony Bergstrom, who was signed this week, starting at right guard. So very, very, very injured offensive line for the Redskins. And just to kind of go over some also some defensive injuries, Matt Ioannidis broke his hand. Stefan McClure and Monte Nicholson both left the game as well with injuries. So again, yeah, this team is really banged up right now. It's going to be hard to beat some of these good teams in the next couple weeks. So, yeah, I, I'm not very excited about these injuries. Hopefully we get some practice squad guys who want to play, who are hungry, who are, are good players, and there's a reason why they were on the practice squad because the Redskins felt like they were worth keeping around. So hopefully they can come in and make an impact. And I think D'Angelo Hall also does come back in the next week or so, so that is another boost. It's another player, I guess. I don't know how effective he's going to be, but it is another player coming back. But, yeah, a lot of lot of injuries, especially on the offensive line. I Even Clemmings can't go. I don't know how the Redskins are going to even function. Because Clemmings isn't even that good a player in general. But if Clemmings is out, then they're going to have Clemmings out, Ty Secchi, Trent Williams, Brandon Sheriff, Spencer Long. Uh, I don't know how Laval, how long Laval's going to be out, so maybe Laval too. That'll be six offensive linemen injured on this team. 
and I don't know how any team can really function with that, let alone, you know, two all-pro guys, two guys who are very good starters in the NFL. It's going to be really tough for this team moving forward with no offensive linemen. But to kind of jump out of the injury report there and kind of jump into a more fun topic, as you guys all know, the trade deadline is tomorrow. Now, I'm not going to advocate for any of these trades I'm going to talk about because trades rarely work in the NFL. There's a reason for it. Everything is so scheme-dependent in the NFL. It's not like the NBA. It's not like MLB or NHL where you can just plug a guy in he can learn slowly. The NFL is a tough adjustment. That's why there's a long offseason for guys to work. So although these are kind of fun ideas and, and things I'm just going to throw around, I don't really think the Redskins should go for them because, again, they are kind of crazy ideas. So I have three trades that I have an idea that the Redskins should do. One is going to be the Redskins being major buyers here at tomorrow's deadline. One is them being major sellers. And the other one is kind of a insane trade, if you guys want to call me insane for it. So the first one would feature the Redskins buying a player who has struggled and had some off-field issues. He is the receiver. It is not Martavis Bryant, though. Willie Sneed down in New Orleans is not having that big a year after last year. Actually, after he exploded last year. He is on a very cheap contract. Only one year, 615000 he's making this year, and he is a restricted free agent next season. Now, New Orleans, again, has not really shown that they need him on this offense. They have Kamara, and they have Ingram to throw the ball to out of the backfield. Michael Thomas is an excellent weapon on the outside, along with Brandon Coleman and Ted Ginn. So Willie Sneed has really been phased out in that offense, and he also had some off-field problems. He got suspended going into the year as well. So that, that, in my opinion, leads to a guy who could likely be traded, and the Redskins are in desperate need of receiver at help at receiver because Terrell Pryor is not getting it done. Josh Doxson is also not getting it done. So Sneed could be an interesting player the Redskins could bring in. So I'm saying the Redskins could ship a fifth or sixth rounder for Willie Sneed and take on that one-year $615,000 contract and actually have a legit receiver. So that is my trade idea one. To let me know how you guys like it after the podcast. This is the only one I actually like out of the ones I've, I've put on here. But the next one would, be, would feature the Redskins being major sellers. Now, it is very likely the Redskins could go into this deadline being sellers because it, the season is not going the way they planned. You know, they are not winning these big games, especially against division teams. They are 0-3 in the division, which is brutal at this point in the year. So maybe the Redskins realize that they're not going to make the playoffs. They are going to sell, and they're going to sell one of the players who they thought was going to have a big impact and who really hasn't done anything this year at all. So Terrell Pryor, shipping him to a wide receiver needy team, for a fifth or sixth rounder, might be smart on the Redskins here. Now, I know Jacksonville is probably looking for a receiver. They still have plenty of cap space. And also, Buffalo really needs a receiver right now, and they are turning out to be a pretty solid team. I think they are 5-2 and two right now in the season. So either of those teams, I could see them sending a fifth or sixth rounder to the Redskins for Terrell Pryor. And if I'm the Redskins, he's on a one-year deal. He's not coming back next year because he's having a horrible year. So why not? Just ship him out. Even if it's a conditional seventh rounder, I'm fine with the Redskins shipping him out at this point. I'm done with him. I think a lot of Redskins fans are done with him. I think the team is, is kind of getting done with him as he was benched for most of the last game. So Redskins shipping out the former 1,000-yard receiver, Terrell Pryor, for a 5th, 6th, 7th rounder, a late-round pick, conditional pick, whatever. Ship him out for whatever you can get, and I am completely okay with it. Now, this last one is my crazy one. I expect you all to criticize me for it. I don't want the Redskins to do it, but it is a fun idea to entertain. Jordan Reed can never stay healthy on this team. It is inevitable that he's going to get hurt every single year. And at some point, you just got to realize, maybe we shouldn't spend all this money on this guy who's going to always get hurt. Maybe we shouldn't spend all this time on a guy who's just going to get hurt. He's a great talent when healthy, no doubt about it. But if he can't stay on the field, who cares? The best ability is availability. Now, what should the Redskins do about it? They got to ship him out. Now, who do you ship him out to? A team that needs a dynamic player on their offense 
and already has a tight end that they're kind of willing to move on from too. So my idea for a trade is Jordan Reed for Eric Ebron and either a third or fourth round pick with it. So hear me out here. The Redskins get a dynamic athlete at tight end who has never been able to put it together in the NFL. That is understandable because I don't think the Lions run a very developmental program there for tight ends. They're not really helping him with his development. So maybe he just needs to change the scenery because he has all the tools. He was the number 10 overall pick in the NFL draft for a reason. And I think Jay Gruden and the Redskins can actually be a, like a good landing spot for him because I think they can mold him into the tight end he always wanted. To, he always could have been, along with Vernon Davis still being here as well. He can just learn right from behind Vernon Davis. Jordan Reed gets his change of scenery. The, the Lions get a potential big-time playmaker on that offense and a big-time red zone player too. Now, if Reed stays healthy, this is a big win for the Lions if – and the Redskins, if not, the Redskins get Eric Ebron and the third or fourth round picks. The Redskins are still getting something out of Reed. Now, I know this is a crazy trade. I don't even want the Redskins to do it. But it's just a fun thing to look at because, again, Eric Ebron has all the potential in the world. Redskins would get a draft pick out of it, and they can move on from the injury-prone Jordan Reed. So those are my three trades I'm looking at for trade deadline. I don't think the Redskins do it. I don't think there's any chance at it. But it is kind of fun just to look at trade deadline deals and pretend like you're playing Madden for a second. So those are my three trades I am looking at if I'm the Redskins for tomorrow's trade deadline. Now to jump into yesterday's analysis from the game, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to kind of just go through this quick. I know I usually make whole shows out of it, but we're just going to go into this one a little quick. Because I, I think we can all agree the less we talk about that Cowboys game, the better. The good was actually the backup offensive lineman played pretty well. I know the second half they kind of fell apart a little bit, and that's when they started getting injured as well. But, I mean, the run game, again, was a little spotty. But their passing, their pass blocking wasn't terrible. And you got to remember, we had undrafted rookie and Catalina and Tyler Catalina playing, a sixth-round rookie out of Wyoming, and Chase Ruye playing, along with two rolled ankles, Morgan Moses. Sean LaValle is actually pretty healthy. And then TJ Clemmings, who was cut from the Vikings, who are an O-line needy team, cut TJ Clemmings before the season, so you know where Clemmings kind of is with his skill level. But they actually played well, and it was against the team that featured the guy who leads the NFL in sacks, and another player who, after coming back from a suspension two weeks ago, has five sacks. That's a pretty tough offensive or defensive line for a bunch of backups to play against, and they actually played really well. So I'm going to give them some credit here. I know the injuries sucked, but towards the end of the game, and they kind of gave up some more pressures late. But they actually played pretty well. Another player, as always, had a great game was Chris Thompson. Besides that big fumble on the on the kickoff return, that was bad. Besides that, Thompson had a good game as always. He he does everything that you want on offense. He catches the ball so well. He moves so well. He's basically uncoverable out of the backfield. So again, Chris Thompson, excellent game. Some other guys who had good games. I think DJ Spranger actually had a pretty solid game. I know the Redskins gave up a lot of big gains, gains to Ezekiel Elliott this week. But overall, I think him and Monte Nicholson were the only two guys I really could see bringing Elliott down. So I will give big credit to those two. And I actually want to give big credit to the defense in general. They were putting a lot of like a lot of bad situations with special team mistakes and offensive turnovers. And they, they did their perfect bend-don't-break defense. And they didn't give up many points. And... They gave the team a chance to come back and win at the very end of the game. Now, it was a little chance, but because of them, they actually gave the offense a chance at the end. So the defense actually big credit, and uh, Tom Sula and, and Minuski actually did a great job coaching this game. And, uh, and big shout-out to Ryan Kerrigan as well. Ryan Kerrigan was excellent. He's on pace for 14 sacks now on the year. So Ryan Kerrigan is having an awesome year. And <laughs> knock on wood, hopefully he can stay healthy because... <laughs> No one else can on this team. To get to the bad, Kirk Cousins did not play his best game. Uh, I know he was rattled under pressure a lot because, again, there's no offensive line. He was scared. There was no running game at all. Rob Kelly also went down with an injury earlier in the game, so that happened as well. So I'm I'm not making excuses for Kirk. He did not play great, but there are some plays that had to be made. Like, again, Josh Doxson had a poor game as well. He missed a very easy catch 
I know he had a slide for it, but he missed a very easy deep catch that he needs to make if you want to be a number one receiver in the NFL. I think he's proven this year that he is a number two receiver, so he needs to make those type of catches in big plays. So that was definitely another bad. And our last bad, again, is just, just the injuries. I mean, this team is so injury riddled right now, and they just can't buy a break at all. Every player can injure at every position. Like, we have corners going down every week. Linebackers going on IR, defensive linemen on IR, all of our offensive line on IR. I mean, the only players who aren't getting injured every week are quarterback and receiver, which, again, knock on wood, if Kirk goes down, this season's completely done. With Kirk left, we still have at least a little bit of a shot, but right now it's it's a very little shot. If Kirk goes down or or anyone else really goes down, then this team is, pardon my language here, is screwed throughout the rest of the year. So it is definitely... The injuries are really hurting this team. They're derailing what could have been a very good team this year. And it's just something you kind of have to live with. You know, this happens to good teams all the time. Look at the Packers the last couple years. Not even mentioning just the Aaron Rodgers injury this year, but the Packers have faced so many injuries ever since their Super Bowl win a couple years ago. And it's kind of derailed any chance of Aaron Rodgers winning again. So it just happens to good teams every now and then. You just kind of got to live with it, bite the bullet, move on to the next season. And don't make the mistake of blowing up something just because... A good team is struggling with injuries. To get to our ugly, though, our last little bit here, it was disgusting. Special teams cost the Redskins the game yesterday. Now, they had a chance to go up 16-7 to halfway through the second quarter, which would have been a two-possession two lead against an offense that wasn't really moving the ball against your defense. And then the blocked field goal leads to seven points for the, for the Cowboys and a 10-point swing, which gave the Cowboys the lead going into halftime. Then we had Chris Thompson fumble on the kickoff in the second half, which led to three more points for the Cowboys. So all in all, that was, what, a 13-point swing just because of the special teams? Special teams need to be better. And it's not even on the kicker. I think the kicker played well. The, the new guy, he actually made a couple field goals. Now, the, the extra point he missed was terrible. So, yeah, that's another one we can give on the special teams. So, well, that's 14 points then right there that were lost because of special teams play. But overall, the kicker's not doing terrible. He's doing exactly what I kind of thought. He's making some. He, I mean, he missed an extra point, but that's the only thing he's really missed. But special teams in general just needs to be better. And you got to expect more from a unit at this point in the season. Now to jump into our last little segment of today, though, just a little positives I want to go into, just because I know all of you are feeling negative right now. I'm 100% feeling negative. I'm bummed out, especially about the injuries. But just let's just go over a couple players who are playing well, who are breaking out this year, guys who, going forward into next season, we can be super excited about, and even for the rest of this season. Because, again, this season's not over yet. I'm not calling it a season yet. But it is not looking great, and we should. But right now, let's just look at the positives. Let's not look at the negatives. If you guys want me to look at the negatives, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll, I'll make a big list of it. But to look at the positives to start off, let's just start on the defense. And not even with deep, any defensive players, let's look at the coaches that are out there. They are doing an excellent job at keeping this unit together and actually playing good football with a bunch of injuries. Tom Sula is a, great, is a big part of that. Minuski is a huge part of that. Torian Gray, the defensive back coach, another big part of that. These coaching, this coaching staff is doing an excellent job, and to be honest, I did not have a lot of faith going into the year with Minuski and Tom Silla and, and Torin Gray and all of them. I did not have a lot of faith with them going into the year because it was an in-house hire. I didn't think they were going to be the guys for the job, you know, be super aggressive, create pressure out of nothing. But to prove me wrong, again, they, they played really well. They, they did, they've only allowed 10 passing touchdowns this entire year through eight games, or seven games, through seven games. That's a really impressive mark right there for a defense. Albeit this team is struggling a lot. I don't think you could really put it on the defense because, again, the injuries are massive right now, and they are still playing really well. To go over some of the players who are playing well, I know some of them are injured, but guys who we should look forward to for the rest of the year or if they are an IR into next year. Jonathan Allen had a great rookie season for the first couple games. He looked awesome. He was riding a lot of pressure. Matt Ioannidis, I don't know how much he's going to be able to go now with his fractured hand, but, again, he broke out this year, and you can only expect more of that coming you know, if he plays later this year or going into next year. 
on the next level, Zach Brown has had an excellent year. He is awesome. And I'm, you know, it's, it's great having a linebacker who we can actually trust in, to make plays in the, in the running game. And I think, you know, we have him on this team. Now we just need to get that pass-defending linebacker, and we'll be set at linebacker for the next couple of years. Other guys who are playing well, Martrell Sprate, I don't know what his role is with this team going into the next couple of years, but if he's a base-down linebacker that starts at linebacker besides Zach Brown and we bring in a pass-coverage linebacker on third down, I'm perfectly fine with that. Spate has been great. I really like Martrell Spate, and I, he looks like another gem that Scott McLuhan found late in the draft. So Martrell Spate's been great. The two edge rushers have been awesome this year. Ryan Kerrigan's off pace for 14 sacks. I think Preston Smith's on pace for like 12 sacks. So both of them have just been dominating tackles this entire season. So big shout out to those two guys and how awesome they have played this season. Other players who have played great, Rashad Breland is having a career year again. I know he can't stay healthy, but Rashad Breland has played excellent. Josh Norman as well has been outstanding. Every time he plays, he does not allow anybody to get uh, catches on him. So again, Josh Norman is back to a top five, top top 10 corner in the NFL. And that's all I really expect out of him going to the year. And he has just met my expectations to a T. Uh, the safety play has been really good, actually, for the first time in a long time with the Redskins. Monte Nicholson is showing a lot of promise. Hopefully, once he gets that shoulder worked on in the offseason or, or this year, if they decide to put him on IR eventually this year, once he gets that shoulder worked on and repaired a little bit more again, he's going to be even better than what he's been this year. And I'm really excited about Monte Nicholson going forward. You guys know I'm super excited about Monte. So I really do think Nicholson going forward is a stud that the Redskins do have. To jump over to the offensive side of the ball, Brandon Sheriff is having his best year of his career, and he's going to get so much money in the offseason. Uh, it's, he's probably going to be the highest paid guard in the NFL, I'm assuming. Brandon Sheriff, again, has been great. He is the best blocker in the league in space, I, I believe. And he is the best at finishing blocks that I have seen out of any guard in the NFL. So Brandon Sheriff is a beast. I really wish everyone on our on our team played with his kind of tenacity and his nastiness. And Trent Williams, too, on the left tackle. He's been playing his whole year on a bum knee, and he's still been a top-five tackle in the NFL. That's how good Trent Williams is. So those two are all pros, perennial all pros, every single year for as long as I can see into the future. And the Redskins are so lucky to have two guys like that on their offensive line. And they're going to they're gonna be on this team for years to come. So they are always a plus, and hopefully they just get healthy this year. I don't care the Redskins IR both of them this year. Get them back for next year, sign them up, keep them on this team for years, and we have two studs on the offensive line. The last giant bright spot on this team has to be Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson has been great. Uh, Chris, I mean, I, I want to just go on for 20 minutes about Chris Thompson, but he has been awesome. I know he's only a scat back. He only plays a role where he's on this field for, what, 40% of the snaps. But he plays that role to an elite level, and that's what you kind of need out of guys. Other guys who play really good roles, not to you know Thompson's level, but Ryan Grant and Vernon Davis. They play their roles to a really good level. Ryan Grant is your third, fourth, whatever receiver. He's going to actually catch the ball. You know, he's going to be a reliable guy. He's not going to be a world beater. He's not going to get every single first down. He's not going to catch every single ball. But he's going to find space. He's going to make some plays when you need him. He's going to get that, you know, three catches for 30 yards a game, and that's fine. That, that is his role on this team, and he does it very well. Vernon Davis, again, he is your guy who's going to play 30% of the snaps. He's going to catch you know, two passes for like 45, 50 yards, whatever. He's going to stretch the field a little bit as a tight end. But he plays that role very well. And the Redskins, I think, have done a great job on their offense as using role players and creating roles for players that a lot of teams would create for them. So Vernon Davis, Ryan Grant, and Chris Thompson have roles going forward where guys like Josh Doxson, Terrell Pryor, Rob Kelly aren't those superstars that you need them to be, so the Redskins need to kind of replace them and bring in other guys. Now, Doxson I still have hope for, but Pryor and Kelly, they are not your guys that you expect to be stars when you have really good role players. So once the Redskins bring in 
superstars or just stars or even above average players to play, you know, base running back, number one receiver, those role players are going to get even better in their roles, and we won't have to rely on them to win every single game. So those role players, Ryan Grant, Vernon Davis, and Chris Thompson, have been excellent this year. And those are the guys who have been, you know, playing really well this year despite the team struggling. And they are definitely guys I am looking forward to going into the next couple seasons or even next year or even later in this year. I think they are really good at what they do on defense and offensive side of the ball, and I'm excited that they're on this team. And it's kind of like a bright spot that this team has those type of players on their team. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. I know I kind of went over a bunch of topics and, like, some rapid-fire action today. So thank you for listening. Again, we are on Megaphone now, so, again, let me know if you have any problem accessing Megaphone. Message me on Twitter at ZachHicks2 if you're having any problems, or email me, HicksZach at Yahoo.com. I will answer any questions you have whatsoever. I'm still trying to learn it myself, so definitely just message me if you're having any problems with it. But, yeah, be sure to tune in tomorrow as we probably look more into the Seahawks game this upcoming week. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. I'm not super excited about it. I'm a little (laughs) freaked out because the Seahawks are finally starting to find their role. But we will look into it tomorrow. So be sure to tune in tomorrow to Locked On Redskins.